I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 7. We're going to read 7 and 8. You know, many times in, in my walk with God, I, um, I get these impressions of some of the scriptures that I read, but really, um, and I know I've said I've mentioned some things about God walking with uh, with Adam. But you know, when I was reading the scripture, it doesn't say that God walked with Adam. And I'll, I'll, I'll read it for you right here. Uh, Genesis 3, chapter 7. It says, And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now I want you to focus on that. And they heard the voice of the Lord. I always thought I kind of had in my mind, I had this image that Adam would walk with God. But he didn't walk with God. He heard God's voice. And the garden, what that represents is probably the most precious relationship and the sole purpose of why God created mankind was he wanted to have a relationship with his creation. He wanted to talk to man. He wanted man to talk to him. It was the sole purpose why why man was made. You know, you see these philosophers and and they talk about what's the meaning of life. That's the meaning of life. You don't have to go too far in the Bible to find the meaning of life. You understand that there are so many people in this world, and even more so now, people that commit suicide, that suffer from depression. And this is even in my own family, not my immediate family, but my extended family, that are taking pills and medication for depression, um, suicidal thoughts, attempts on their life. And it's all because they forget this one thing. And that is the purpose of why we live our life. We don't live our lives to see how much money we can make. We don't even live our lives to get married and have children. That's not the purpose of our life. We don't live our lives to see how much attention we can bring to ourselves to lift ourselves up. We live our lives to have a relationship with God. What I'm going to preach this morning, everything else in living for God stems from this one thing, and that is a relationship with God. It's not the reason we serve God. Everything else comes from a relationship with God. Adam had, Adam and Eve had a relationship with God in the garden. And that relationship was broken through sin. You don't read hereafter about God speaking to Adam and Eve. 
the way he did before. The next time you hear, you hear God talking to Cain and Abel. After they're driven from the garden, you don't hear about God speaking to Adam and Eve. It was right here, and it was for this moment. And so everything in our walk with God, we always look back. We always look back at the garden because this was a situation, a paradise, right? This was the perfect relationship, the perfect situation, what God had intended. He had intended a place where we could be and have a relationship with God, where we can talk with God, where God can talk with us, and we could hear his voice, and we could follow after him. And that is the purpose of living in this world. And Adam had that. Eve had that. And it was broken by sin. It was broken because they believed in a lie. Satan, it says, beguiled Eve through deception and through lies. And I had to remind, I've had to remind during Bible study this week, I had to remind my church, I said, we, we, we normally have in our, in our Bible study, we have a set thing that we go over. And sometimes lately, more, more so now than ever, we've been kind of getting off track, going somewhere else. Because sometimes I feel that's where God is leading us for this night, for this evening, he leads us somewhere else. And so we'll, we'll go and we'll, we'll get on a rabbit trail and go off somewhere else, but it will be good because God will... He'll show us something. He'll speak to us. So I was, I, was, I was talking about that. I was talking about the serpent and how he feeds mankind lies. And I told them, I said, you know, Pastor Larry will know what I'm talking about. I came up in, a, in an apostolic Pentecostal church that didn't believe in television. <laughs> And I'd always hear it from you guys, those of you guys who have been around, you know what I'm talking about, yeah? They didn't believe in televisions. And, and I always, I, I always, I was obedient. I, I never, I didn't have one. Uh, I was obedient. And so they would preach, you know, no television hard under no circumstances, whatever. You don't, you don't watch any television. Now that I'm older, I, I understand. Well, I, I was like, well, there's some things that are not bad. Not everything is bad on the television. I've, I've now come... Not full circle, but I, I pretty much believe a lot of what you see on TV is garbage. A lot. Not all, but I would say a lot. And the reason is, is because you can't trust what comes out over that television. You can't trust what's being said. And that's just what happened to Eve. And how the serpent, how Satan used the serpent to deceive Eve. The same thing happens in our world today. See, God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. And we get in trouble when we start listening to other things. When we divert and we start listening to other voices. And I told my, my I, I, I will just say this. I'm not, I'm not going to be up here and I'm not going to say, don't you own a television? I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say we need to watch what comes in our eyes. We need to watch what is put in our ears because there's things that you are seeing that you will see on the television. You will see in pictures. You'll see on your phone. You'll see in Twitter or Facebook that are not real. What you're seeing is not real. You're being lied to. 
And the enemy is the father of lies. And Satan used this to break that relationship with God because God wants to have direct communication with you. Lord, what do I need to do? Lord, what is truth? And you talk with God and he talks with you and you have this fellowship and you have this relationship and you grow closer and closer with God. But the enemy wants to throw other things in there. He wants to throw these things and he wants to distract you. He wants you to believe the lie as he convinced Eve and Adam and Eve to believe the lie here in Genesis 3. But God wants a relationship with mankind. You know, this wasn't the first time. If you think about it, and, and I was going, most of this message, you know, Katie asked me all week, she says, do you know what you're going to speak? I said, no. She asked me yesterday, do you know what you're going to say? No. No idea, Pastor Larry. I get up this morning, and the Lord just starts filling my, my, my mind. He starts filling me with the what he wants me to speak, what he wants me to say. He brought me to Exodus, right? Exodus chapter three. Because like I said, remember, God wants to have a relationship with man. He wants to have this fellowship. This is what was broken in the garden. And so everything else in the Bible is about restoring that relationship. Everything is about restoring that relationship with man. So in, in Exodus chapter 3, he's dealing, God is dealing with another man. Exodus chapter 3, verse 9. He's speaking to Moses. Now, I want to put this in context. Moses has seen the burning bush, right? He's leading his sheep around the mountain. This mountain is going to be Mount Sinai. And he sees on this mountain, he sees a bush that is on fire. And he goes up into that mountain to see this thing. And God begins to speak to him. And this is also where God tells him to take your, your sandals off your feet. You're standing on holy ground. Understand that this is where God is going to communicate with mankind. This has been broken. And you are now about to enter into a holy place. You are going to communicate with the divine. You are going to communicate with God, and it is not to be taken lightly. Right? That's why it was holy ground. You're about to, you're about to speak to your creator. Moses just thought that he was walking on the backside of the mountain with his sheep just to see some interesting bush that was caught on fire. But God says, no, you take your shoes off. You're about to communicate with the divine. This is something special. Remember, this is what God wants to restore. So he says, take your shoes off. And he's giving him his command. He's giving him his mission, what, he's come to, what he wants him to do. He says in verse 9, he says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come up unto me. I have seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. He says, come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now listen to verse 12. And he said, certainly, I will be with thee. I'm going to be with you just like he was with Adam. He says, I'm going to be with you. 
And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Think about that. He says, you are going to come and you are going to serve God right here where I am. This mountain, you are going to come and this is where you're going to serve. You know what is very interesting? You know what he did not say? I'm going to take you out of, the, out of Egypt and I'm going to bring you to the promised land. There were, pro- there were promises of that to Abraham. There were promises. But on this occasion, he does not say that. He says, no, I want you to come out and you're going to serve me right here. You are going to worship me in this place. Yes. This is where you're going to serve me. It's very interesting because outside of, the, outside of, of reading the scripture, I also do a little bit of study of history. And uh, one of the things that's very interesting is if you ever, uh, if you ever read in the Bible, you, it, it talks about the, the Tower of Babel, right? Now, why was God upset with, the, with mankind with the Tower of Babel? Because they were trying to ascend to God, right? They were building this earthly structure. They were trying to reach the heavens. It's an interesting thing because you find structures like Babel everywhere. You can go to Mexico. You can see Mayan ruins. It is a temple that is trying to reach to heaven. You can go to Mesopotamia and as they dug through the sand, you can see what they call ziggurats. And there are these temples that are built to the going up to heaven. Mankind brought something from Babel. When they scattered throughout the world, they took this pattern of trying to reach to heaven. And every one of these is used as a religious ceremony. They would go to the top, the priests would be up there, and they would try to reach to God. That's what you do. And the only thing those things are is they're man-made mountains. Even the ancients knew that if you wanted to reach God, you had to go high. You had to ascend. I still think people are still trying to reach the heavens. About a month or so ago, I was, uh, I was in Williams and we turned on the TV and uh, we saw the uh, uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, Blue, Blue Origin. They launched into space. And I thought it was very interesting. I was like, hey, kids, this is... When we were in Florida in April, we saw SpaceX launch a rocket up into space. Uh, three, I think it was three or four astronauts were launched into space. And uh, so we were out there at night and we saw, or early in the morning, we saw the rocket launch up in there. Kind of a unique experience. But I thought it was very interesting about a few days later when Jeff Bezos was being interviewed, he said, um, I thank everybody that bought something from Amazon that made this happen possible for me. You guys remember when he said that? I thank everybody that's bought something on Amazon that made this possible for me. I was like, this guy's almost a trillionaire, right? He has billions of dollars. Why does he, why does he care about going up into space? It's something that mankind wants to reach the stars. They want to be up in the heavens with the divine. Because that relationship, like I said, has been broken. And man's attempt Throughout history, you can find the ruins of it, their attempt to try to reach back up to heaven, to try to make that communication with God.
You notice in the law, when they were to build an altar, they were never to do it out of hewn stones. It was just rocks. They were to pile rocks up, and that's where they were to offer sacrifices. Never was an instrument or a tool supposed to be used on anything that was going to be for God. It, it was just, the altar was just supposed to be made out of rocks. Piled up, and then they were supposed to offer the sacrifice. They said, never a chiseled or a hewn stone was not to be. When man touches anything, he ruins it. It's going to be what God made. It's going to be what God created. That's the way it's going to be. So this idea, the Lord said, you're going to bring the children of Israel to this mountain. And you are going to serve me here. Now, when you follow this out, when you follow this through, you know, when Moses and Aaron first went to Pharaoh, they didn't say, let my people go. He said, let my people go to offer a sacrifice unto our God, right? He said, let our people go that we may worship our God. Three days journey into the wilderness. Let us go that we may worship our God. And Pharaoh said, no, no. They just want, he didn't say anything about delivering them. He didn't say, Pharaoh, God said that we're going to be delivered. We're coming on out. He didn't say any of that. He didn't say, oh, we're going to be delivered. We're going to, be, we're, going to, we're going to enter into the promised land, so we've got to go. That wasn't it. We are going to come out, and we are going to worship God. I think it was the last time that they spoke. The last time, I believe, they spoke to Pharaoh. In Exodus 10 and 8, it says, And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God. But who are they that shall go? So he finally says, Okay, go serve your God. But who's going to go? I want to know who's going to go. And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, and with our sons, and with our daughters, and with our flocks, and with our herds, we will go. We must hold a feast unto the Lord. We're taking everything. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. He's like, we're not leaving anybody behind. We're all going to worship God. The whole family's coming. Everybody. We're not leaving anybody behind. Because... It looks like Pharaoh was going to give in. All right, I'm tired of all these plagues. You can go. Some of you. Right? And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go, and your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. Not so. Go now, ye that are men. He says, just the men. Just the men. You can't take your women. You can't take your children. You can't take your flocks and offer sacrifice. Just the men go. In 
And it says in 11, and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts. So that was no deal. (laughs) No deal. We are all going to worship God. You see, it was God's intention that everybody was going to worship him. Not just the men, not just the women. He wants all of mankind to go back to this mountain, to this place where he can speak to his people. It wasn't just a certain people. He wants a relationship with every single person. See, the whole thing, we, we, we get the exodus wrong. We think God is, and, and, and we're, I mean, it's right. He wanted to deliver his people into the promised land. But the promised land wasn't the goal. The goal was to worship God. God would provide the rest. See, in the church, I think we forget that sometimes. The purpose of coming to church is to serve the Lord. The benefits of serving the Lord will also come on top of that. With that comes healing. With that comes deliverance. With With that comes souls and soul winning. But it is all, it all comes back to our service for God. And to worshiping God and serving Him and having a relationship with Him. That is the purpose of living for God. Sometimes we think that the purpose of living for God is making heaven our home. That is the reward of serving God. Not the purpose. It's, it's amazing news. I congratulated Israel. I don't know if I, nobody knew about it back then, but I had heard. And so I congratulated uh, Israel and Jax. But the reason you got married was not to have kids. You got married because you loved one another. You don't just say as a man, hey, I want to have kids. And you marry somebody right? That's a mistake, right? That's going to end up in divorce. I can guarantee you, right? That's going to be a mistake. Unfortunately, I've known a couple and, and, and they struggled. They could not have children and, and, it, and it weighed on them because, well, you know, they really wanted to have children, especially the wife and she was barren and she couldn't and it put strain on them and eventually they got a divorce because it wasn't, it was about the child more than it was about the relationship. And understand that our walk with God is about a relationship with God. Everything else, the soul winning, the souls, the babies that are going to be born in the church are a result of the relationship that you have with God and your service to God. Not, that's not the sole purpose, right? That's not the sole purpose. We're not just coming here to get together and to go out there and win souls. That'll happen if we love God. If we seek God with all our heart, that's going to happen. If we meet God on that mountaintop and speak to him and he speaks to us, that's the benefit. Deliverance is going to happen. The chains are going to be broken. Their, Their sole goal right here was to worship God. Was to worship God. Was to find a place where we could serve him. They weren't saying, hey, I don't want to be under bondage anymore. I don't want to be under the whip anymore. They just said, I want to serve God. I want to serve God. Moses and Aaron said, we need to serve God. And we're going to offer that sacrifice. What is our sacrifice? It's not lambs. It's not goats. It's the fruit of our lips giving praise unto God.
We're going to worship God. We're going to serve the Lord. I remember my father-in-law. He has this testimony. He was, um, he, was, he was raised in the truth. He grew up from a young child, raised in the truth, and he walked away from it, got into a life of drugs, was living under a bridge, and he had OD'd on drugs, and he was in the hospital, and uh, he knew he was on his deathbed. And the doctors were doing everything they could to try to revive him, but it, it looked like it looked really bleak. He had OD'd. And he said the Lord spoke to him at that moment. And the Lord, you know what the Lord told him? Worship me. Worship me. He says right there in the hospital room, he just lifted up his arms and he started calling out to God. And God spared his life. It wasn't, see, it wasn't the Lord didn't say, hey. Worship me so I can save your soul. He just said, worship me. Worship me. The fact that he saved him from his own overdose was the benefit, was the product of worship that just came. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3 and 6. Oh, 3 and 5. Let me start at 3 and 5. It says, And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice... If you will hear his voice. See, that worship that the children of Israel had on the mountain has been restored. The, the curse in the garden has been restored. And it was restored when Jesus Christ died for our sins. And he rose again. I did, I, I, I did a lesson um, with my church about what Christ did on the cross and how there was a sentence of death that was upon each and every one of us. You remember in the book of Exodus, and I'm not going to go there, when Aaron had sinned when he had made the golden calf, right? He had made the golden calf and God at that moment was speaking to Moses and he said, you need, you need to go down and you need to go see what the people are doing. Now remember what God said to Moses. 
And I've always thought this was a very interesting thing. So God tells Moses, he says, I want to destroy all of them. I want to destroy every single one of them. And I want to start out of you, Moses. I want to start a new nation. I want to destroy every single one of them. And I always thought that was very interesting because here Moses is defending the children of Israel. He says, no, no, God, don't do this. And, you know, when you read the story, it comes across as, man, God is really harsh. He's really mean, right? He wants to destroy these people, just wipe them all out. I'm sick of them, you know? I showed them all these miracles in Egypt. When they were hungry, I gave them food. When they were thirsty, I gave them, the, I gave them drink. And now you're gone for 40 days and they're worshiping a calf? And so God says, get rid of them. Do you understand that what God was delivering to Moses is he was delivering the law. And you are not to worship another God. Now the punishment of this is death. That's what the law said. This is death. You have a sentence of death. And here Moses is standing in the gap. He says, no. No. If you're going to take these people, you take me too. He's standing in the gap. And I thought about that. What was Moses doing? He was showing us what Christ was going to do. He was showing us what Christ was going to do. For all the sins that we had committed, we were worthy of death. And that's what the law said. And God is not being unjust by going by his word. It's his word. And he was going by it. There's nothing unjust about that. Right? You're not to kill. You're not to steal. You're not to bear false witness. There's a law for that. And if you do that, you have to suffer the punishment for that. And so when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was standing in the gap from certain death. He was pleading. And he took that place for us. And in the scripture, you'll, nomos, you'll normally find things that happen more, more than once. That, that incident happened a second time when the children of Israel went to spy out the land of the promised land, Canaan. Uh, they came back and they had a bad report. And that's when God tells Moses again, because they didn't believe. He tells them again, he says, I want to destroy all of them. <laughs> Still, after all of this, I want to destroy them all again. And Moses stands in the gap again. But here in Hebrews chapter 3, and I believe this is Paul writing, he's asking the question, or he's, he's making the statement here in verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Don't make your hearts hard towards God, in verse 8, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Do not make your heart hard. 
When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works 40 years. He says, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. He says, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief in departing from the living God. Says 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You see what sin does? It hardens a heart that we cannot hear God anymore. That's why I started everything talking about listening to what the enemy is putting out there. Adam and Eve. Remember the serpent speaking to Eve. No, you're not going to die. But Eve said, yes, we we will surely die if we eat from this. No, you're not. Your eyes are going to be opened. You're going to be enlightened. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It's the enemy that comes out there and he puts those things in your hearts. He puts those things in your mind. And our heart gets hardened from God to where we can't hear from God. We go to prayer meetings and we don't feel like our prayers are reaching through the ceiling. Because we have sin in our life. We have unbelief in our life. See, sin and unbelief go hand in hand. The children of Israel did not believe in the wilderness. After all they saw, they still didn't believe. The children of Israel were sinners in the wilderness. They worshiped other gods. They complained. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They complained. They murmured. It is the deceitfulness of sin that draws us away from God to where we can't hear his voice anymore. Whenever I preach, church, I want, I want to show you how to get to where I'm talking about. I'm, I've been preaching about having a relationship with God, having communication and being able to speak with God. And I don't want to just preach a good message and walk off and say, hey, everything, that's great. I want to show you how to get there how you can have that relationship with God, how you can speak to God. The purpose of church is not just to sit in church. I'm sure you know that. The purpose of church is not just to come and just to be here. I remember when I broke my ankle and they took the cast off. My doctor prescribed me a a, a brace. And so I went out and I bought like a 40 or $50 brace because, you know, if, if, if you let them charge your insurance, they're going to charge like two or $300 for a brace that you can get for like 40 or 50 bucks. So I went in and Brother Ernest, I bought this brace. I went to a store on Bell Road and I bought this brace. It was cheaper than I could have got it uh, at, at the hospital. And so uh, I got it and I go to my first uh, appointment at my uh, physical therapist and he said, who prescribed that brace on you? I said, well, my doctor did. He said, take it off as soon as possible. 
He said, you're going to want to get out of that as fast as possible. He understood that the purpose of you is not to wear a brace the rest of your life. Your ankle needs to be strengthened, and that's only going to happen when you remove that thing off. You got to let, it's going to hurt, but you got to let those muscles come back. So you got to take that thing off. You understand that our walk with God, the purpose is not just to be here, not just to sit and just to enjoy a message. Our purpose is to serve God. Our purpose is to worship him. Our purpose is to have communication with him and a relationship with him and strengthen that communication and that relationship over the years. And we do that by getting rid of the sin in our life. When we, when we get rid of that sin, then we remove any hardness on our heart that we can hear from God. And it's very simple, church. God will speak to you. And you may be asking, how does he speak to you? I remember when I first um, had a calling to the ministry, I was, um, I was at, how do I want to put this? I was at a, a friend's house. It was a, a girl, and I was meeting her parents. <laughs> this was before Katie. <laughs> I, was meeting, I was meeting her parents, and uh, and I already knew I was being called into the ministry. And, and so her dad asked me, said, so you received a calling. You heard the voice of God. You received a calling into the ministry. I said, yeah, yeah. And I remember her sister says, what does God's voice sound like? <laughs> and I think her dad's like, don't say that. That's sacrilegious. <laughs> what does God's voice sound like? And... um. I remember that. But think of Elijah. It was the still, small voice. That's what God's voice sounds like. When we go to the Lord and we empty our heart out before God, when we pray and we seek God and we repent and and we come and we, we weep before God and we get all of that out of our hearts, speak to God. Talk to him. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to speak to you. Call upon his name. I tell my church all the time, I said, you know, when we get in a prayer, we think the whole time we get there, we're just saying, God, do this for me. Do that for me. I need this. I need healing. I need money. I need a new job. I need... That's not what prayer is about. Yes, we're going to bring things to God. He wants us to bring our cares and lay our cares upon him. But that's not the entirety of prayer. Obviously, when we come to pray, we thank God, right? God, hey, what kind of a friend would I be if the only time I ever came to you is when I needed help? Exactly. We all know people like that. The only time they show around is when they need help. What kind of a saint is like that? The only time I ever see this saint is when they come in and they need problems. They have problems. They need help, right? But when do you, I I mean, sometimes you want to, sometimes you want to be told, hey, you're doing something right. I know in my work, well, they'll they'll have people get together and there'll be meetings 
and they want to hear what people are saying. But before they hear all the bad stuff, they're like, tell us what we're doing right. Before we hear all the concerns that are going out there with the people, what are we doing right? We don't want this just to be negative, negativity. Well, this is this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Tell us what we're doing right. When we come to the Lord, when we go to prayer, thank God. Thank God that you have another day to live. Thank God that you have breath in your life. Thank God that you have a place to go and worship God. Thank the Lord for your pastor. Thank the Lord for brothers and sisters in the Lord. Thank the Lord for your job. Thank the, I mean, even if you hate going to your job, thank the Lord for your job, right? There's people that don't have a job. There are so many things if we begin to count our blessings and thank the Lord for all that he's done for us, man, that can take an hour itself if you really thought about it about all the things that we should be thankful for. But when we go to the Lord, we're thankful. We don't just bring our requests and our cares and lay everything down. We thank God. We worship him. We call upon his name. And we can also bring our requests. But even after all of that, we need to talk to God. For me, it, now for other people, it could be different. For me, it's normally when I'm done doing all that. I've praised the Lord. I've asked him. I brought my request before him. And I'll just talk to God. I won't necessarily be walking around and praying. I'll just, just right there, I'll be sitting or I'll be kneeling and I'll just ask God. God, I don't understand this. I don't understand why I'm going through this. I, um, or Lord, how do I deal with this person? How do I deal with this individual? Just like, I, just like you were talking to me or like you talked to your pastor. Just talk to God. And then, be quiet. <laughs> Be quiet. If you're just if you're if you're constantly speaking the whole time, how are you ever going to hear God? You talk to God, you 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 pour out your heart saying, "Lord, I'm concerned about this. I'm concerned about my mother. I'm concerned about my father. I don't know how to deal with him. Lord, give me the words. How do I deal with this individual? Lord, why am I going through this? Oh, Lord, do you I want to hear from you. And you be quiet. And you let God speak to you. And at first, it may be a little hard because you might be thinking, is that me? Is, is that just my thoughts? Or, and eventually, you'll become accustomed and you'll know when God is speaking to you. But again, we've got to get rid of that hardened heart because this is where God wants us. He wants us in a relationship. It's not just, your relationship isn't just on Sunday or Wednesday or Friday. You have a relationship every day of the week. You speak with God and talk with him and deal with him every day of the week. And this becomes something that grows. This relationship will grow. You begin to hear his voice. You begin to know what he says. And the Lord will direct you and he'll guide your path. And you'll know the difference between his voice and the voice of the enemy. And you'll know when the enemy is trying to deceive you and where God is trying to lead you. This is the purpose of our walk with God. 
This is why we're here. We're here to worship God. We're here to serve God. God created us so that we might worship him, that we would have a relationship with him. And this is our purpose. Don't get sidetracked. Far too often we get sidetracked in the things of this world. I know we have jobs. I know we have things we got to do. But don't get sidetracked in any of these things. The purpose we're here is to serve the Lord. And I don't know about you, church, but this came to me. This is even something that convicted me as I was praying before service. Is that I need to consecrate and commit myself wholly to God. I forget that. Can I say that? Even even as a minister, I'm I'm not coming up here saying I know everything, but I forget that. I forget that my purpose is to just serve God, to worship Him. Everything else will fall in a line. I don't have to worry about my eternal salvation if I just seek God here on this earth. I don't have to worry and spend nights worrying, am I going to make it or not? You are. Healing and deliverance, I don't have to worry about that if I just seek God. The chains will fall off. They will. Deliverance will come. Healing will come if we just seek God. And we just put him first. Thank you, church.